I'm Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this is the Always the Critic podcast, where a couple of friends review the latest movies, and in this case, TV shows, except hey. we literally have zero qualifications to do so. Jessica, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I spent the weekend, the long weekend, holiday weekend, with my people at my parents' house. We ate everything, like all the good food. And so I'm stuffed. Like I was telling them, like, I'm like a gremlin right now. Do not feed me. I, I cannot eat anything. Don't pour water on me. Like, I'm just, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm in trouble. So, yeah, got to recover from the weekend. Yeah, it's it's going to be a problem uh, for me. Uh, my weekends are usually anyway, Sundays and Mondays off. So I didn't really get to experience the long weekend like mm. everybody else. Yeah. Um, but uh, a mixture of good and bad in the weekend. Um, some really highs and some really mm. lows. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that is something for another day. But yeah. the weekend kind of got started on Thursday night because what we're going to talk about dropped yes. at 9 p.m. on Thursday night Eastern Standard Time. And that is Lord of the Rings Rings Power That's on right. Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about the first two episodes, our thoughts on what we've seen so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before we get started on that, this if this is your first time listening, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many more. And if you do like us, go ahead and give us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Five stars goes a long way for us. Come and check us out on social media to stay up to date on our latest episodes and reviews. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at AlwaysCriticPod. And lastly, if you're a fan, please consider becoming a patron. It's such a great way for you to get involved and to show your support. You can check out the page on Patreon.com slash AlwaysCriticPod. And thank you to our patrons, Curtis, Janet, Robin, and Bale. Thank you, guys. (laughs) <laughs> yes, we got some new patrons in the we house. We do. Absolutely had a great weekend because we started it off with a few new patrons. So thank you so much. We can't do this without you. We adore your support. And hopefully we can get you some more exclusive content after this review. That yeah, is after correct. This episode. <laughs> so let's go ahead and let's get our thoughts on the it. brand new show, Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, uh, Jessica yeah. Give us the synopsis of the show in general. Sure. So the IMDb synopsis for the whole show is epic drama set thousands of years before the events of J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings follows an ensemble cast of characters both familiar and new as they confront the long-feared reemergence of evil to Middle-earth. So we are going to go ahead and cover the two episodes that were released by mm-hmm. Amazon Prime. Uh, I think before we get started... We already had our thoughts on what we were kind of looking forward to with the show on our last Mm -hmm. episode. If you didn't listen to it, scroll back. It's the very last episode that we did. Well, actually two episodes because in the the middle there. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) She-Hulk was in the middle there. Uh, But check that out. But overall, just in generalities, how did you feel about these first two episodes? Was there excitement for you? Was there... How did you feel about the way it looked? I mean, all this different type of stuff. What did you think? Okay, so I think that I liked it. I wasn't thrilled with the first two episodes. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't necessarily hooked Okay, from the first two episodes. Sometimes I think that shows take their time to get ramped up. And they don't use some tried and true methods like every episode ends in a cliffhanger. Like that's not the case for this show and a lot of 
tentpole shows. Yeah. I would say Stranger Things does that a lot more. They do. Than like HBO or in this case, Amazon Prime for this show. And it takes them getting used to because I do feel like when you watch the the Lord of the Rings movies, it kind of leaves off at a place where you're like, oh my God, I need to see what comes next. Yes. In a sense. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's a little like, okay, I don't know, like, you know, there's a lot of unanswered questions. And in this case, it feels less compelling than the Lord of the Rings movies, but it still feels like you have a ton of unanswered questions that need to be answered. And you're like, OK, I guess I get to tune in next week to find out what the hell is happening. Um, you said, what did you feel about the look of the show? I love the look of the show. I think the cinematography and the setting of it being in New Zealand, who knows if they'll still keep up with the New Zealand filming on location for for future seasons but in this season it's working it's stunning i love it (laughs) yes i think you can clearly see for the most part the budget (laughs) like yeah this is a show that we talked in that sense yeah (laughs) that um just on the production alone for the season close to half a billion dollars so we are seeing at least in the first couple of episodes, like we get some glimpses of a battle that happened before mm. and that was stunning, although it was only like just a, a couple, couple of minutes. minutes. If that. If that. And then some of the other moments that we see like certain characters, like the way the light is just reflecting on them, they do a great job. And then the scenery on top of that, mm-hmm. uh, there, like you can see where the money's at. Uh, for me, I probably like it a little bit more than you. I think uh, so too, <laughs> which um, is odd. There's a couple of characters that I can already feel like a little bit of an investment in mm. uh, because uh, their story feels somewhat relatable or oh, okay. or um, at the same time, I just have a rooting interest because of a certain like, you know, you and I are Hispanic. We oh, got yeah. we got we got a Puerto Rican guy in there. We do we got a PR so, on the. So kind of, you know, invested that way as well. So little things like that. (laughs) Uh, So. Okay. So overall. Showing your cards already. Yeah, I'm showing my cards already. Uh, No bias at all. Not, not, not one bit. Uh, So I think overall, I think I'm I'm interested so far. And I'm excited to see where it kind of leads to because there's a lot of little hints of how they're going to set up. Like who the big bad is, which we all know is going to eventually be, you know, Sauron. But how do we get there? Mm. Like, I, so I don't want to say spoilers just yet, because if someone hasn't watched it and just getting our general thoughts, that's, that's cool. So let's talk at least about the first part of the first episode. uh, Okay. To kind of get people. You have a prologue. Yeah, we do have a prologue. So uh, the first episode, it is titled Shadow of the Past. Jessica, what is the description of the episode? The IMDb synopsis reads, Galadriel is disturbed by signs of an ancient evil's return. Arondir makes an unsettling discovery. Elrond is presented with an intriguing new venture. Nori breaks a deeply held community role. So these are, I would say, the four main characters that I think we're going to follow. Obviously, there's other characters on the periphery or that interact with these four, but... These kind of feel like the stories that we are going to be following throughout the entire season. That's what it feels mm-hmm. like. So, two women, two men. Correct. 
Two Women, Two Men. Uh, and so the show is directed by J.A. Bayona. Uh, he has been known for directing such things as The Orphanage, The Impossible, and Fallen Kingdom. Yeah, he's a Spaniard director. Yes, he is. Now, the show is written by John D. Payne, Patrick McKay, and it's based on The Lord of the Rings and Appendices by J.R.R. Tolkien. Yep. Now, the show has uh, a wide cast. I wouldn't say anyone is like a big famous star. No. This is a this very... This is a star-making vehicle. Exactly. Exactly. So, those people... Much the same way as Game of Thrones was for... For its entire cast. Yeah, yeah, for its entire cast. Yeah, it's a it's a star making vehicle. You are right about that. That's actually a very good way to put it. So who are the people that we're looking to become these breakout stars? So we have uh Morphe Clark who plays Galadriel. We have Markella Kavanaugh who plays Nori Brand, Brand uh Nori Brandyfoot. Brandyfoot. <laughs> there we go. Uh Robert Arameo, who plays Elrond. Is that Robert Arameo? Uh, like, it's I not Spanish. Know. Okay. It's definitely not Spanish. I feel like I, I want to pronounce it like that. <laughs> no, me too. Like when I saw that name, it does look Aramayo. like you. Right, Aramayo. But he is not uh, okay. anything. But fun fact, <laughs> um, this man is uh, crossing the Lord of the Rings Game of Thrones streams because in the show Game of Thrones, he, he was. He played young Ned Stark. Which oh, hush. Ned Stark was played by Boromir. <laughs> Boromir. So well, Sean Bean. But. Sean Bean, but yes. Yeah. Uh, so double crossing there. Crossing the streams. <laughs> uh, then we also have Benjamin Walker, who plays the High King Gil Galad. Yeah. And then our boy, our Puerto Rican hey. boy, Ismael Cruz Cordova, who plays Orandir. Yeah. And then uh, Nazanin Banyari. I want to say the, I think that's the correct pronunciation. Uh, okay. She is playing Bronwyn. Mm-hmm. So the music, the opening theme made by Howard Shore, he comes back. And the rest of the music is produced by Emmy Award winner Bear McCreary. That's right. So this from episode. Form for Lauderdale, <laughs> South Florida ties. There we hey. go. All right. So the show does start with a prologue. The prologue kind of gives us a little bit of history about Galadriel's like past her her growing up as a child having an older brother who is a warrior uh, elf no yeah mm-hmm. yeah warrior elf yeah and so uh, there was a great war and there uh, is where we kind of get like the glimpses and everything about this darkness this evil that is spreading throughout Middle Earth. Mm-hmm. Now, most of the people, as we come to learn, don't really believe that there's an evil around. We conquered it. It's over. But Galadriel is is hunting. We, yes. So we meet her early on leading a troop of soldiers like see- seeking out this mm-hmm. evil. And there we get, you know, a lot of like pro- prologue, like basically getting us up to speed on how the world kind of is at this very moment mm-hmm. that we're watching the show. And we follow them up to an ice mountain. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. No. I'm going to have a hard time with a lot of no. the names of the places. <laughs> so um, so inside this cave 
it's an ice cave. They find the marking. She finds the marking that she's been looking for, a marking that she found on her brother's body when he died. Yeah, she's just been looking for clues yeah. to Sauron or elves. Whatever it is. I mean, that, not elves, orcs. <laughs> yeah, whatever Jeez. it is that killed her brother and the, and the army. Yeah, she's, she's on a quest. Yeah, and so she finds the marking. And we get a troll in the cave. Uh, we get some yeah, action. Snow troll. Uh, I thought it looked... Uh, it was a pretty, pretty cool mm-hmm. opening to establish Galadriel. Did you understand the whole intro where they were talking about, well, there was this, you know, the elves lived on this, you know, magical land of the Valar and then they had to come together and there was a great war to defeat Morgoth and then Sauron rose up after Morgoth and Sauron was the, he served Morgoth and like learned all of his tricks and had the same powers as Morgoth because he was created to serve Morgoth and now... Morgoth's gone, but Sauron remains, and he's causing a fuss again. So they, of course, the, uh, they have like a migration story as well for the elves, where they come to Middle Earth and they, yeah, you know, kind of seem like they're colonizing Middle Earth in a sense. They kind of are. I don't know, like, if they're gonna go down that route necessarily and talk because they seem to be unwelcome by the Kingdom of Men in a lot of places. So mm-hmm. I feel like that is drawing some parallels to the colonization of pretty much any any, any country, country here now yeah yeah over over history so i feel like it's trying to paint the elves in a different light mm-hmm. than what lord of the rings movies have traditionally painted elves as like these ethereal beautiful kind of bossy but ultimately righteous people so here's a here's a question so like in the lord of the rings right yeah we're just going off the movies because that's i don't think that necessarily the average person has necessarily read the lord of the rings books exactly or the appendices which or the appendices are based on yeah but if you look at the lord of the rings like when we see galadriel she's off in her own like yes kind of mm-hmm. like tribe of elves that is like off in the woods lady of lights in the woods yeah so she seems they call her a witch you know right. in so, the movies so so there's kind of like a sentiment how did we get there how did we get there from this galadriel which is very fiery and what's the word resolute yep and uh very driven driven she's not powerful in the sense that she is in lord of the rings where she is almost like a shaman or yeah some sort of prophet because she knows all the past but also has a handle on the future as well yeah so there's something like how did we get from point a to point you know right z <laughs> yeah exactly how That's do we get I'm from the warrior that see. we're yeah. watching to that Mm-hmm. almost prophet like mm-hmm. you know being mm-hmm. it's a great question uh but the galadriel that we're seeing now uh, throughout the episode is almost stubborn and yeah, wants stubborn. to wants answers wants answers for what it is that killed her brother and those armies she feels she that has it's not gone. Definitely a trauma response to mm-hmm. the war and losing her brother. 
And what I like is that they also touch on the everlastingness. I don't think that's a word, but the eternal aspect of being an elf where they live so long that things start start to lose their meaning to them and time loses meaning to them. So the war is starting to lose the effect. Yes. It's an effect on the people, on the elves. Yeah. And they're like, well, there's no need to continue putting all these resources and sending people out to find this great evil when there's no evidence of this great evil. Like there's, we can just stop and live in peace now. And everyone wants to like not sweep it under the rug, but just move on. Exactly. They want to move on. And she's like, why are we moving on? There's, there's still a great evil out there. Like, can't you sense it? So there's something I think that they're drawing on between the two Galadriels, the young Galadriel and, you know, Kate Blanchett's Galadriel is that she is sensing the forces of evil in the Middle Earth and nobody else seems to be getting that. Yep. She's like, don't you feel it? Right. And and everyone's like, just move. It's fine. Just, just move, move on. on. <laughs> so based, the, the person who really is we're trying to work with her the most is mm-hmm. young Elrond. Yes. They're confidants friends you get the sense that they've been friends a really long time of again Mm -hmm. alluding to how long the elves live yep exactly and elrond is a politician he is he's a politician i don't think people liked seeing elrond as a politician probably not i feel like that rubbed people the wrong way his portrayal sure but I think he is a man – he's not strictly a politician because you can see when he's first introduced, he's away from, like, meetings and stuff. He's doing his own thing. But he still has aspirations to to be either known or to be, like, someone who contributes heavily to – He wants to, to prove himself and rise up the ranks. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And be a lord because like, in – Lord of the Rings already. He's Lord Elrond. Exactly. We're seeing him get to that status. Right. Get him the getting there. Mm-hmm. So uh, so we do see him with, you know, with Galadriel trying to talk sense. Well, Something sense. they haven't said in the show yet is that he's half elf. Oh, see, I, I completely forgot this. Which a lot of people don't know. They don't explicitly say in Lord of the Rings movies that he's half elf, but he is. But he is. And I wonder if that lineage will play a part in him trying to rise up because he's a half, only a half elf, not like a pure elf. And they have already said with the other character, Ismael's character, Arendir, Yep. When he, because he has a crush on Bronwyn, which is a human woman. Exactly. And his friend was like, that's pretty rare. Like, you guys probably won't make it. You should stop. You know, it's. The mixing of the species, because they're two different species, is pretty rare. And he said there's only a couple of, um, what's it called? What did he say? Like a couple of like stories and they didn't end well. Right. So unless you've read the appendices and whatever else Tolkien has put out, you have no idea who he's talking about. Right. Exactly. Anyway. Just so. For, for context. For context. <laughs> Thank you for that. I appreciate that. Now, before we get into the Aaron okay. Deer of it all, um, yes. back at Linden, which is the capital city pretty much of 
the elves, and that's where King uh, Gilad or Gilgalad, Gilgalad. is yeah. uh, there. Uh, so basically, once they come back from their journey, first off, uh, <laughs> Elrond has to basically kind of like talk to the king, like, you know, hey, I know she went against your orders, type of thing, but you know, let's let's make sure the sleeping not- dogs lie, exactly. shake hands. So don't punish her. <laughs> exactly, don't punish her. So what do they do? King uh, Gilgalad, Gilgalad decides <laughs> to go ahead and award her and her troop to go into the um, undying you, lands, the, the back undying to their lands. homeland. Exactly. So here, where there is everything is light. Everything is light. There's no darkness. They just live forever in this perfect utopian world. Exactly. And for her, she doesn't want to go. It's pretty obvious. Yes. She is hell-bent on finding out because she is first and foremost a warrior. And she feels that her duty is not done. That she still has not found this evil that she seeks. Um, And, you know, uh, Elrond is trying to be a good friend. He's like... Come on, like, who else gets this opportunity? Not many people get this opportunity. Just take it. So I'm going to pause you there because I think there was a line from her brother when she was younger. He was like, how do I tell, like, which light to reach for or something? Yep. I was going to mention that for sure. Okay, well, go go ahead. What were you going to say about it? So, I have thoughts. Yeah, so we'll, we'll talk about that now. So on the way there, uh, they're on the ship. We get a flashback to a conversation she had with her brother early on in the episode. And it's like, do you know why a stone sinks in a boat, uh, you know, sails? And so they have a conversation and the 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 crux of the conversation comes down to this basically like these two lines of how do I know the darkness from the light or how do I know the real light? Because if you're looking... You light looks down on the sea and it looks like they're both light. Mm. How do I know which one's the real light? So at the beginning of the episode, they kind of like pull away. You don't hear him say what he says to Galadriel. But then when he's on when she's on the ship about to enter, you hear what he says. You hear what he says. And it's like until you know darkness, you you won't you know. Can't tell them apart. You can't yeah. tell them apart. And tell the correct That's when she decides to jump off of the ship and just go back. Mm-hmm. So what were your thoughts on that? I thought that it would be a bigger emotional connection than it was. How do I put it? It wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. Gotcha. I was like, that's the answer? Not enough. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't know if it's just because I'm heartless or it just was lost on me. I was like, okay, so there's supposed to be a, an emotional connection here between her and her brother, what he tells her, figuring out the light, the darkness, whatever. And that's enough to get her to jump off the ship. I thought that she could just do something to back to something else. Right. Maybe something, some other line or yeah some other reasoning some other experience that she had that would make her pause and jump ship but no it was that line that was like if you know dark i was like 
Fair um, enough. I I can <laughs> I can definitely see that. Yeah. Like because it it wasn't as satisfying. I get mm-hmm. it. Uh, yes, correct. <laughs> it was that, not satisfying. But I like that she jumped off the boat. Yes, I like I do, but I don't I do. like how she got there. The reason everyone else for is having this angelic, heavenly experience trying to get into the gates of the Valar, and she's just like, no. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? No. She's faced yeah. with heaven. And she, and she jumps off the boat and that's to. why. Yeah. It just. So. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> so that puts us at the end of Galadriel's story in episode one for now. Correct. For now. Uh, let's go ahead and let's talk about. Uh, let's talk about Aaron Deer. You mentioned Aaron Deer. I mentioned him. Yeah. Uh, and so Aaron Deer is an elf who is stationed out in a town in the land of men. In the kingdom of men, mm-hmm. uh, they're kind of overseeing things because um, they feel that men have a bad reputation for being just naturally evil. So the ki- men, the elves live so many lifetimes. They do that. This set of humans that live in this town really don't have any connection to what their ancestors did on the battlefield in supporting Morgoth or Sauron or whoever it was. Yeah. So they feel like the elves presence is offensive to them because they're policing them for something that their ancestors did all those hundreds of years ago or whatever it was. Yeah, exactly. So you kind of feel bad for the humans, but the way that they showed it, you feel really bad for the elves. Yeah. I think that I left feeling like, damn, can't they just back up a second? Because it's, you know, he's just patrolling. He wasn't, you know, even showing force. No, he's just walking <laughs> you know what I'm around. Saying? Very passive. Yeah. Uh, just a presence in the area. But they really, you can, te- you can see that animosity between the elves and humans, which carries through in Lord of the Rings where... You know, the elves and humans kind of don't mix. And the fellowship is unique because they do. And they're friends. Right. And they support each other. So. Yes. Anyway, keep going. So <laughs> what do you in, think of that, the Aaron Deer stuff? So this is, obviously, I'm going to show a little bit of bias because I am rooting for a fellow Puerto You're rooting Rican for here. But it was a storyline that I could, you know, wrap my head around, get behind, is a unwilling... I would say an unwilling soldier in a way. Like he's not really soldier. Yeah. Who is in love. He seems to have a lot of compassion for the people that he's governing or at least watching over versus the other elves in his company who are very much like these people don't deserve it. I can't wait to leave. They suck and all this stuff. And yeah, he's definitely compassionate with one particular person. And that is Bronwyn. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Okay, so you're liking this pairing. I do like the pairing. I like you the like pairing. It. Yes, I All do. Right. I like Bet. that there's like a bit of that forbidden love between the two of them. There, yeah. Because yeah. the town people, even the town people kind of get a sense of like these two, uh, huh, there's something yeah, going no, on between they're these They're reading two. the tea leaves on this and it's yeah. not very hard to figure out. No, it's not. Because they have great chemistry. Like, I He's think very a lot of people, stoic. He's but stoic, but there is electricity between them. There is. You know what I'm saying? Yes, there is. Okay. There okay. is. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally read it. You can totally <laughs> see it when when they're just like by the well. Uh-huh. And 
you know, they're talking about the the leaves. The seeds that she, or no sake. Yeah. And just like the looks that they're giving each other and everything. Yeah. The electricity's there. Bro. <laughs> so so I'm so I'm invested there. I'm invested And she in was that. dressed pretty like um not risque, but just, like her back was out and stuff. And I was like, it looks pretty cold where they are. Yeah. Everyone else is dressed. For the you season. know, with long sleeves, and she's got like her she's arms like, out, her back out, and stuff. I was like, "Damn, yeah. girl!" Hey, yeah. hey. Uh, uh, Bronwyn has a son who I already don't like. So she's a single mom. She is. She's got a bratty ass son. Yeah, I don't really like him. Who's definitely evil? Yes, one hundred percent. He's evil. I heard some people were speculating that he's one of the nine. Oh, I oh, did I, I just think, blow your mind with this I didn't theory? Think that would be it. Oh, <gasps> that's a good theory. That's a really good theory. Do you like it? Yes. It's not I mine. Do. I can't take credit for it. <laughs> hey, that's fine. Whoever came up with that theory, that's actually not a bad theory. <laughs> he that could he's be one, one of, of the, the kings. I mean, he eventually would become a king and then is co- fully corrupted. Right. Mm. Okay. By the by the ring. But well, anyway, because I mean, all right. So that kid has like a secret little thing under the bar they were saying throughout this episode that they have no king that hum this at least this area of men has right. no king has no king no ruler you're right but so could be over time somebody <laughs> over time. becomes a king yeah, right, in right, that right. area yeah. but the kid has like a secret hideout and in that hideout well, the kid is saying so there's easter eggs for us because he's saying oh i couldn't sleep last night the rats were clawing at the floorboards in in the house in the room or whatever yep and you think okay whatever not whatever no not whatever don't whatever that don't whatever that nope because we'll <laughs> so see anyway, later on he does have uh, is it in this episode where he shows yeah. his friend like i found this thing yep it's in this episode and it's a like a sword yeah with a, not a full length sword but no it was, no like, it's the broken hilt of it yeah the hilt with a piece yeah. with it looks like the the um, marking the marking of sauron that he's left on the brother and left on that altar that they found as well yes. in that northern kingdom <laughs> and it glows when he's holding it or something yeah it is does. that right it Do like that lights right? up like you can see like flames like starting to build yeah, yeah. through it and everything problem yeah problem. it's a problem and he it's stares at it and it, it it starts speaking in in the you hear black the magic, language yeah black language black darkness yeah. whatever language they of call the it. elves or whatever language yeah. of mordor so yeah it starts speaking that way so mm-hmm. that's gonna be a problem we already know. that's a problem that's already gonna be a problem. i love to see it though yes because so, it's not only a problem for him and his mom, it's a problem for the romance that they have set up between yeah, Aaron Deere and Bronwyn. So, He's like protecting them against, you know, their worst, as- the worst aspects of themselves. Of they themselves. probably don't even know. Exactly. He's like, the-, the other elf was like, they might not feel like they're influenced in the negative toward Sauron or the forces of evil, but it's it's in their blood. Is what the other elf was saying. Yeah. Which is really sad thought. It is. They can't escape this. They'll just keep coming back to this, you know, evil. Yeah. That they, they're... But then you think... And you, like, look at the other characters and you look at the... At Bronwyn and you're like, it can't be true. But then you look at her son and you're like, fuck, uh, I don't know. Like, Yeah. <laughs> oh. Gee. 
Maybe there's maybe there's a hint of truth. Yeah, me. <laughs> uh, Aaron Aaron Deer finds out that his patrol is going to end uh, yeah. because they're pulling. He's leaving. Yeah, they're pulling the elves from there. Uh, they are no longer needed there. The war is over. It, you know, the search for yep. this great evil is over. So he decides to pay Bronwyn a visit one more time. Yeah. When he came walking down, I was like, is this Mr. Darcy coming through the fog? Like, Mr. Darcy. Yeah, there's a blueprint here, and they followed it they pretty did. closely. And I was like, okay, like, this is fire. Well, that's when we find out that she has a son because he goes to her house. Right. He goes to her house, and yeah. the son is there. Um, and then uh, one of the townsfolk <laughs> comes over to because his cow is like sick. Okay, this I was very concerned about the cow. The cow, yeah, this the cow is, cow is sickly, uh, yeah, looking, coming out but it's on its feet. So I was like, it can't be that bad. Then the they squeeze the udder, and it's like Oof. tar. Yeah, comes out of yeah. the udder. That was ugh. Oh. My eyes shot up. My eyes went big. I was like, oh, my God. Are we not going to talk about the cow? What's going on with the cow? Please. So so he goes in search of what's wrong. Where did the cow graze for it to be ill like this? This is evil. The next town over where uh, Bronwyn from. is from. So they go Hometown. over there. And what do they find? Basically, the whole town is empty. The whole town is empty, burnt down. There's crevices that have formed out of the earth. That's where that story leads on episode <laughs> one for now. That's where we kind of drop off. Mm -hmm. Finally, one last yeah. character to talk about their story, and it is Nori Brandyfoot. Uh, so these are the Harfoots. I got to be honest. I thought I would like this set of characters and the Harfoots a mm -hmm. lot more, but I didn't i thought they were the weakest storyline part of the story yeah fair enough because i don't think they've given us enough to kind of sink our teeth into with these characters they are the kind of like substitute for the hobbits they're ancestors of the hobbits yeah the hobbits haven't been... come about like they haven't how do, how do i put it because it's not like they evolved into the hobbits it's just like they're their civilization doesn't exist yet. It right. happens later. But these are their forebears. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so we get a, a mix of different people in this in this community. Uh, almost kind of in a way like a gypsy type of community. Because they're like hiding uh, from people right. around. And like they're on the move. Like they, if they sense danger or stuff. They seem to be nomadic. Yeah. Yeah. So here we are introduced to Nori. Nori kind of feels like kind of feels like the audience surrogate here where she is going to get a lot of information thrown at her and you know it's going to be a lot of exposition kind of thrown at her and us finding out with her at the same time what things are in play and everything. But she seems like a very rambunctious young Harfoot who has a sense for adventure. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, this is kind of like our uh, Bilbo or, you know, mm -hmm. like this version of that kind of character who mm -hmm. is, mm -hmm. who wants to see adventure, who wants to be out. Yeah, of she the wants to explore an yes. adventure beyond her community. And that is seen as a negative. Yeah. For, for the community, it's seen as a negative. Yeah. And... In her story, you know, she has parents, uh, you know, that kind of like 
you know, you got to be part of the family. You got to keep close. You got to watch over the others. Like, very, like, come on, stay within the group. Stay within the community. But, you know, she's rambunctious. And so we most of the stuff is kind of filler of just like introducing us to the Harfoots. Mm-hmm. The big thing that happens is at the end of the ve- of the episode. Correct. So there is a meteor in the sky that is crossing over Middle Earth. Multiple characters see it in the sky and it lands very nearby to Nori. And when Nori goes and investigates the area, there is a man who mm-hmm. has landed in this media whatever it is it's a giant giant. says it's a giant i kind of want to think that it's just a very tall person remember (laughs) the hardfoots are short so they're little so that's kind of where it leaves off i don't i like the effect of him like with the fire in the hole that he makes yeah his landing spot that was cool yeah very cool design him almost like almost in the fetal position but yeah like and the zoom out from overhead but uh, then he wakes up and gets angry or scared and all the flames kick up again and yep. they extinguish when he passes out again i was like that's yeah that's cool. that's the start of episode two so let's go ahead oh and my bad okay <laughs> let's go right into episode two so episode two is called adrift Uh, I'll go ahead and talk about the synopsis this time. Go ahead. Uh, Galadriel finds a new ally. Elrond faces a cold reception from an old friend. Nori endeavors to help a stranger. Erendir searches for answers while Bronwyn warns her people of a threat. So once again, J.A. Bayona is the director. uh, Written by John D. Payne, Patrick McKay. Of course, Tolkien's inspirations. Uh, the same cast is here, but we are introduced to a couple of new characters. We're introduced to Sophia Namvet, who's Princess Disa, and Owain Arthur, who's Prince Durin the Fourth. Um, these two characters are dwarves. Uh, yeah. They are part of the dwarves community, so we finally get to see uh, the minds of Moria at their height, at their zenith. Yes. I freaked out. I don't know if you freaked no, out. No, I did. I, I I freaked out. It was wonderful. And it was great Lo- to look at. Like just Yes. The Feast design. for the eyes. Oh, the design was beautiful. Because it is a beautiful design and really impressive in the Fellowship of the Ring when they go inside the Mines of Moria and it's so expansive. And you see these great halls, empty mm-hmm. of course, in ruins, of course, but you're like, wow, how do And he said like you should have been there. But um Gimli says you should have been here when my cousin was here and you know they had all this salted pork and we would be greeted and all this stuff their hospitality and this is what he's talking about this epoca where it's it's a thriving community in the mountain right it is and i didn't expect so much green in there they had plants flourishing in the mountain i was like what this is nuts i was very very much tickled by the Mines of Moria scenes and the dwarves and all that. And the female dwarves. And I loved Princess Diza and yes. Prince Durin. I was just like, just loved it. Now, we are introduced to them through Elrond coming to the Elrond mines. wants something. Well, Elrond, the reason why he's there is because uh, if we go back just a tad bit, we're introduced to Lord Kelim- Kelimbrimbor. 
I <laughs> Celebriborn. I am having a hard time with that it's one. It's funny to hear because you it know. starts okay. with a C E L E, but it's pronounced as a K sound. Yeah, it so is a K it's, sound. So it's a little tough for me. Okay. So we're introduced to this lord, and so they are going to work together. He's a famous blacksmith. Yeah, smith. He's a famous smith. And so he is looking for something new to make. He wants to build a tower that can forge something grand. He has Correct. a great vision for it, but he needs to create this building first so that he can create a, what is it? A f- what is it? The fire? What is it called? Uh, furnace. The... The, oh my um, god! Yes. You're talking about for blacksmithing, right? Yeah, but yeah. he was like, "I need it hot enough, a forge, you know, and mighty enough forge." Thank you. To to do to complete this vision that I have. What is the vision? I think we all know what it I is. I think the we all know show what is it called is. Rings of Power. Yes. So boom, he's trying. Boom. To, he has a thought maybe later on or now already to create the Rings of Power, but he needs this to create this building. So he enlists Elrond. Or the king gave him Elrond. He was like, I think you want a lot of bodies to create this and it'll take a long time to create this. But I'll give you like my top guy, like my one dude, and he'll help you out. Here you go. (laughs) Here you go. Here's Elrond. And Elrond is like, okay, fine. Let's bet. Let's do it. And he's like, well, I don't have any idea how to create this, but let's talk to the dwarves because they know how to do this. They like this is all they do. Yeah. This and is so that's why thing. he knocks on their door. Yeah. Now, he's met with a somewhat icy reception by uh-huh. Prince Doran. Yeah. And, you know, for him to get in, he has to invoke a ritual mm-hmm. just to get into the doors. And this ritual is basically, can I outlast a dwarf at breaking <laughs> stones? Right. With of a co- hammer. Of course not. Of course he can't. Right. So... He loses the thing, and so he loses the contest with Prince Durin. Durin. And and so before he kicks him out, because he was going to kick him out, Durin is mad at him, at Elrond, because he's supposed to be a friend, but missed his wedding, missed meeting his wife, missed the birth of his kids. Like, you weren't around. You know, a friend would show up. A friend would be there. Invoking the life of an elf and how they perceive time and the world how 20 years to an elf is nothing and that's what Durin says he's like 20 years to you is nothing but to me it's a lifetime yeah i've lived during those 20 years yes so, so i love that yeah i think it's a, it's a great way to put into context how how i don't want to say unvaluable but how elves kind of just live life yeah and don't cherish mm. the moments I mean, there's so many oh moments for them to just They're have. eternal. Yeah. yeah. So there's no need for them to what like just sit in the moment. What does 20 years mean to them? Yeah. yeah. So he, he apologizes, of course. And then uh, Duran brings him into his home reluctantly. He <laughs> has him meet his wife, which is Princess Disa. Uh, Disa's great. She's Love wonderful. Her. She's a wonderful character. She's there, obviously, to... To be very nice to Elrond, but also to broker peace between these two men who kind of Mm -hmm. feel like Durin is obviously upset and has every right to be. But he also knows or she knows that he's got to let it go if you want this to work to be an actual friendship, you know. And 
So Elrond is trying to make the peace as well. Like he's not like antagonistic or anything with it. So he does come and kind of brings the proposal to Durin. Durin brings it to his father, King Durin the third. And there's some hesitance. Oh, yeah. There's hesitance. Like they only want us for a, a single thing. It's, this is not really your friend. He's just looking for something. So obviously what they're looking and he for. Is. Yeah, he is. He's looking for manpower. I wonder if they will drive a deeper wedge between Durin and Elrond there throughout the length of the show. Because there is definitely history there. I hope we do see a little bit of it. But ultimately, King Durin is correct. Like Elrond did not show up for friendship just for hangs. He wanted no. something. He did. Out of the dwarves. He did want He wanted something. to exploit what they were good at. Yeah. Building forging mining mm-hmm. everything yeah yeah uh, so we have that that kind of storyline kind of works its way there to that point mm-hmm. of of king kind of like he wants something he's not really your friend on the other side back with galadriel galadriel's yeah, in the yeah. ocean she's at sea <laughs> yes she is swimming she's, she's, she's trying to swim back uh, and she that was funny too when we were watching it. Like, me and my sister were like, Is she gonna swim back? Then she starts like <laughs> doing the backstroke and like doggy paddling to shore. And we were like, Whoa, <laughs> yeah, she's like she's full just... Michael Phelps here. Yeah, uh, she comes across a group of uh, not outcasts, but people who were shipwrecked themselves. They were shipwrecked themselves. There's like six of them floating on broken pieces of their ship yeah and it looks like they are from the realm of men um yeah they're all uh, humans yeah because immediately she like <laughs> covers her ears to kind yeah. of conceal the fact which i didn't notice that first that she covered her ears on oh, purpose ah uh, yeah i i noticed it so then once she because there's is, animosity exactly friction, friction. Yeah, between she's them. brought on and immediately one of them spots like hey that's an elf And so, like, they're already resistant to her. But they don't have time to really be that resistant to her because there is something in the water. There's an ethics quandary there that they didn't really sink their teeth into because there's a giant leviathan in the water. Yep. Trying to... And that's what sunk their first ship. Exactly. And so here... What uh, did they call it? They called it something. I would have to look it up. What's the name of it? Okay, it's fine. Uh, but this Leviathan kind of is swimming towards them to try to attack them and eat them. And at that moment, one of the human allies, after they kind of get Galadriel off of that little ship, they right push there, her off. They push her off. He actually she swims off. I think she does. Just, she like, does. Dips. She just jump. Does she well, jump off? What do they do? I think they pushed her off. She gets a look at the animal from underneath the water. And she starts, and then she swimming, starts away. swimming the opposite direction. So at that moment, one of the humans, he... Unhooks his, like, section of the boat. Yeah, and he's Not like, even the boat. <laughs> deuces. Yeah. You guys are screwed. <laughs> and, yeah, that other side gets eaten. All those people get eaten. So he makes it out. And- Did Mahina, you're cast in the Lord of the Rings Prime show, billion-dollar budget, and, like, you get eaten in the first episode. <laughs> rough <laughs> that is rough i'd be so pissed okay keep going well at least you get a line or two yeah uh, so here 
this man who separated himself, he is still on a very tiny piece of <laughs> what is a it's a raft at this shit. point. It's a raft. Uh, Galadriel comes on. He brings her on. And, you know, there's a little tension of like, uh, I'm just reluctantly helping you. I'm just reluctantly on this ship. We kind of mm. need each other at the moment. Um, and then we get into a little detail as to uh, why he shipwrecked. And it's because he was forced out of his land. He was because the orcs attacked his land mm-hmm. and that perks and she up w- perked up yeah she was, she was like, like okay orcs. where was oh, this oh, where was this she was in the first episode she was going north mm. and it turns out they were in the southlands mm. so they were nowhere near where she was going that means she was going the long way to try to find them <laughs> luckily she ran into this human this human uh, was he a soldier of some kind he's definitely hiding something remember. he's hiding something he's got a necklace on he has a necklace sort of that has something yeah, so he's like a satchel around yeah. his neck. So definitely hiding something, probably yep. some sort of relic. important figure. Yeah. Or yeah, he's he carrying a relic of some kind. Yeah. Uh they run into a very big storm. I I thought of uh the perfect storm at this Oh, I moment. thought of Castaway. There you go. So but they had no no Wilson. They with had them. no Wilson, no. <laughs> uh she gets caught. He uses her sword to Break her free. They come right because for... she ties herself to the mast. Yes, she did. Then a a strike of lightning detaches the mast from the raft, yep. and she starts sinking yep. straight to the bottom. Straight to the bottom. And he has a choice whether or not to save her because he already dipped the first time and left those people to die that were on his raft. And now he decides, okay, I'll save her. Yeah, which is. Good, good choice. I think we all knew that he was going to save her. Yeah, <laughs> there was because no it'd be weird if uh, Galadriel died in the second episode. Right. Um, <laughs> what in the rogue one? Okay. <laughs> uh, so they come up and then, you know, they they make it through the night and through the storm. And they, th- their couple, get met with, I guess, a ship of some kind. Like they right. were, they were asleep. And they come across the ship and we see a shadowy figure because it's being silhouetted by the sun. So we don't know who it is that Mm-mm, comes across them. But she kind of mm-hmm. looks at him like, do I know this person? And kind of like, a, I don't know. Maybe she does. I don't know. I don't know if we can say at this point if she we, knows the person we, that's we don't. standing very aggressively on the ship. <laughs> uh, let's go ahead and turn our attention now to Nori. Uh, Nori on her end comes across the stranger the stranger like you mentioned kind of wakes up in this fiery he doesn't have words he has no words he can't really speak to anyone just grunts Mm -hmm. noises screams bellows but he clearly has some type of magic or this is the et storyline to me (laughs) and i haven't figured out if i like et in this case (laughs) right uh, he tries to show them with the lightning bugs, the stars, some sort of constellation. And again, they're trying to figure it out, too. They're like, OK, is this their stars for sure? But what is he trying to say? Does he need to go there? Do we need to go there? How do we find this and all this stuff? Exactly. 
lots of questions. They need to definitely look inside the book of their community leader. Yes. Because he had like he was looking at the stars and he was like, the stars are strange. <laughs> yeah, he did say that. Uh, I, that was I before the guy Malva fell from the is sky. his name, I think. Or, oh. But yes, he's kind of like the astrologer. Yes. Astrologer? Astronomer? Something. No, not not <laughs> astrologer. That's like Capricorn shit and all that. No, okay. astronomer. That's what okay. I meant to say. Anyway, so uh, their storyline is kind of the same throughout the entire episode. It's like trying to understand this man, what he's trying to say. Feeding him. Feeding clothing him, him, clothing him. Fighting him. Nori also. is obviously kind of taking charge of like, you know, we are the people who care for each other. Whatever. Um <laughs> So we'll see how that progresses. I have a lot of questions about the I star man. I, I have, do. He has, he's the most the biggest question mark to he me. He is the biggest the question show. mark. And I think that is bothering me at this point. I hope it doesn't continue to bother me and it's not just given up in the final episode or something, what his identity is and how he fits into the story. I truly don't know. Something inside of me feels like maybe he's, um, what's it called? A wizard, but I don't think he's a wizard because they didn't have any. No wizards were on Middle Earth during this time. Mm-hmm. They arrived later after the battle at the beginning of Lord of the Rings. You know, with Elrond and Isildur chopping yeah. Sauron's hand off and shit like that. Like no wizards were on Middle Earth at that time. So, but he clearly no El- has no- some type of magical power. That's why I'm like so confused. I'm like, is he a wizard? And then they kill him off, and there's no wizards for a long time, or what because he does seem ill he does too so i don't so there's so a lot questions. of questions surrounding a lot of questions are. surrounding this character yeah uh okay uh then uh we go and we'll see aaron deer aaron deer this is the storyline that i'm most invested in Me too. for now especially because this is the horror storyline so far yes it is it really scared me the scene that i hope we talk about right now yeah <laughs> So uh, they're, you know, moving around. They're looking at that town that has been burned down and everything. So this is where Aaron Deere tells uh, Bronwyn, go warn your people that they need to leave. Because the, the tunnels seem to be leading to your town. Exactly. Now. So he goes down there. He searching. goes down in the pit. He does go down in the pit. And when he gets to the, down to the pit, the tunnels. he starts hearing things and seeing things. So he immediately like make books it, books it <laughs> and jumps into the like he falls into the water that was at the end of one of the tunnels that he went through. And he's waiting for whatever it was that was like coming for him. Yeah. And just as like he's waiting there, you see some air bubbles coming up behind him. Oh, my God. these hands just reach and pull him in. Oh, my God. So, Aaron Deere is in a pickle right now at this moment. No, yeah. He uh, just got on snatched. O- <laughs> on the other side of this story, Bronwyn goes back to try to warn the people. Of course, mm-hmm. the men are like, we're not following any orders of elves and all this crap. And right. we already know what you two, you know. Yeah, you you're two like, you two are canoodling. Thing. I don't trust your word, Right, exactly. You're so, biased. <laughs> so... At that moment, what's happening is her son... Her son is having a time yes. at the house. What a time he's having. He is... Well, first of all, he gets cut or something, and some of the blood... And he's holding the hilt of the sword, no? Yes. 
and the blood starts heading up into the sword. It does. And it like wakes up the sword a bit. Yo, no? what the hell was that? What the fuck am I looking at here? <laughs> it was so scared. I was scared then. Then it gets worse. Yes. Because he gets really upset about the scratching noises underneath the floorboards in the house and starts ripping up the floorboards in frustration. And lo and behold, that's hollow. Something's digging underneath the house. And it's not a rat. It's not a rat. And we just saw Aaron Deere got took. (laughs) Yes. So when the mom shows up at the house. There's a giant hole. There's a giant hole. The kid's missing, but it turns out the kid's not missing. He's hiding. He's hiding. And he's like, shh, shut up. (laughs) Don't say anything. And she ends up hiding too. He's like, go away, like get some help. And in my mind, if I was a mom, I would never think, yeah, I'm going to leave my kid to get help. Exactly. I would try to grab my kid and then leave. Right. So she stays in the house. She hides too. And she sees what pops up out of the ground, out of the tunnel. What the fuck is that? Is it a goblin? Is it a it goblin? It doesn't look like an orc. It doesn't look like an orc. So it's probably a goblin. Has a mask. I think it's a goblin. But it had a mask on and then yeah. they showed its teeth, its mouth. And it looked like straw because it was all of these teeth pointing and narrow. Yeah. A mouth of straw teeth. <laughs> Serrated straw teeth. I was like just... I could not handle it. And so just like the total chaos of that moment. She fucking fights that thing. She does. Wins. Wins. And. Chops off his head and bring it back as proof. (laughs) Just like, you don't believe me? Here is the proof. Let's get the fuck out of here. (laughs) I thought they would get out of the house faster. Yeah. Night falls and they're still in the house. They're still in the house. I was like, like I would be like, <laughs> grab your passport and let's go. Like, there's no stop. There would be none of this, like, packing calmly. Like, the kid was packing and folding clothes calmly in his room. And I was like, what is this? You just had a battle with whatever that is. You just killed Gotta something. Gotta hightail it out Definitely evil. Seriously. And you're still in the house. No. Got to hightail it. Hightail it. High step it out of there. Okay. So (laughs) I think that kind of wraps up our our stories from from episode two. Got you. Uh, Obviously, there's questions that we have. Lots of questions that we have. Who's picking up Galadriel and her new friend out in the middle of nowhere? What the the hell was that thing? Why are they building tunnels all across the kingdom of men? Where are the orcs that have been killing off the southern tribes or whatever mm-hmm. the hell? Why have the elves no clue that they're still marauding? I, it's just lots of questions. Who's the star man? <laughs> Who's star man? But here's the biggest question. Okay. And, uh, you know, I read an article about it. Oh, okay. Uh, shout out to the ringer, of course. Uh, who's the bad guy in the Rings yeah. of Power? It's got to be Sauron. It has to be Sauron. Or his agents. Or his agents. Because in the Lord of the Rings, you never see Sauron. No, you don't. Which is, I think a lot of people forget that you never really see Sauron. It's just orcs and the nine and the great eye that like is constantly watching. And that's it. So do you think... We're going to see a character 
in this season that is supposed to be Sauron? No. You don't think so? No. Okay. So then It's the same for a lot of Harry Potter movies. You see like no You don't see no Voldemort for a few, ep- you know, not yeah. episodes, but movies and Right, that's true. iterations of him and flashbacks of him and whatever and you don't you don't get to him until like the fourth movie. So, here here. here's something that I was I was reading here. Okay. Is that I guess one of Sauron's most devious tricks during the Second Age is he initially appears as a friend, not a conqueror. You see? His Sa- when Sauron's I, in his skin suit or, you know, as a oh person Lord. or whatever. I don't like the call. term skin yeah, suit. But basically when he's in, like, person Cognito. form. Okay. He is known as Anatar, Lord of the Gifts. Anatar, Lord of the And is cool. able to hide his true evil intentions. Okay. So... In a way, it's kind of they describe okay, so it as I, like a phantom menace. Like, wonderful. So we're gonna get a twist. I feel I because someone so. that we've met or will meet or will and you meet. think is good. Yeah, is bad. Is bad, and it's Sauron exactly. in disguise. That's what I'm thinking will happen, because I guess according to the appendices, that is how Sauron got around. Got around before you know the Third Age, so. I think that we can I'm into look it. at it. I don't know how late in the first season we'll get to him showing up. Um, will he show up to help out with the making of the forge? Will he help out with some type of materials to make the rings? Who knows? I feel like we'll get him as a tease or something by the end of the season at least. I'm excited. I'm excited for that. I'm excited, I'm excited for, that. for that. that. That excites me. Because I then it's want, like he, he's playing chess. He's playing chess with the forces of good. Yeah, he is. And they, and they, they don't know don't, that they're they playing chess. They don't know chess. they're playing a game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the elves are like, let's tap out. and le- like, Let's send our best warriors back to Utopia or the Valar or whatever. They're like SpongeBob. All right, I'm about to head out. And then like <laughs> Sauron's over here like, dude, I'm going to do checkmate and like four moves seconds yeah get over here yeah anyway it's great i think wait wait you have any guesses do you want to guess who sauron's uh skin suit is i don't think we've seen him yet you don't think we've seen the skin yeah because i'm looking at the characters right now and i don't think it's like someone like i think the obvious like nominees if you were to say would be someone like king gilgut Galid, uh, I don't think it's him. No. I don't think it's Lord uh, the Smith. I don't think it's him either. Uh, so I don't think we've been introduced to him yet. You don't think it's the kid with the sword? No, I don't think it's him. You don't him. think it's the guy that was shipwrecked? I don't think it's him. But what about who <laughs> found Galadriel at oh, the end of the that episode? The ship. Okay, okay. Got you. Maybe. Friend mm-hmm. or foe. Who knows? Friend or foe. We'll see. We shall Figure see. So I think you're way more into the show than I was expecting. Hey. <laughs> I like it. I like the show. <laughs> Look, I am I do like fantasy. I do like fantasy yeah, shows yeah. And, and movies. I personally have not had any interest in going back to the world of Game of Thrones. So like House mm-hmm. of the Dragon. Is not something that I want to visit. Um, 
it's just it's not really for me because like there's so much concentration on like the sex and and the ultra violence that I'm just like okay I mean like if if you like that cool whatever like but not really for me man like I kind of want like a little more story I don't want it just to be sensationalized type of Ooh. um material you know mm. like ooh oh my god and incest and oh my god like that yeah. sexual thing child and, oh right child rape or also like the oh, it's a child bride not child rape oh if, it might be who knows i don't know i haven't seen house of the dragon uh but yeah so like that's that's the thing so i i'm invested in in a fantasy show that can appeal to more of an audience mm. because i think you can have a fun story there and you can have characters. To I think so far in. this is still a family show. Yeah. Yeah. Which I is nice. Agree. I can agree. Yeah. You can sit On down with, with anyone. Movies. Yeah. You could sit down with anyone and watch uh, Rings of Power yeah. and it's not an issue. I said this in the group text. I'm looking forward to more battles mm-hmm. and more grand set pieces like that. Yes. Yeah. That's my thing. Uh, that was something that we brought up a lot during our retrospective for Lord of the Rings. If you want to scroll back in your podcast feed, you can listen to that. But that's something that I'm looking forward to. I want to see some budget on that. And I also want to see Galadriel kick ass. Yes, because we got a glimpse in the first episode. We got a glimpse of it, but I want more. Oh, I totally want more. Mm-hmm. I think that most likely, this is just me like speculating, most likely... <laughs> They're going to save that for the last couple of episodes where like something major and big happens that maybe there's a fight. Maybe they come across these whatever the marking is. Maybe they come across them in the Southlands and they need to gear up and fight. And maybe we see that maybe see that battle in the Southlands, you know. Uh, So so there so there are questions. Uh, There's intrigue that we have. Uh, So I'm ready to see more for sure out of this show uh we will be talking about the rest of the season on our patreon yes right unless there's like a huge major development where we're just like you know what this has to go on the main feed (laughs) um you know like maybe the finale or something but for for the most part we're gonna talk about this show through the lens of recaps and and just speculation on our patreon Mm -hmm. so go to our patreon which is patreon.com slash always critic pod there you can listen to jessica's thoughts on korean shows (laughs) yes korean uh, shows and movies and movies as well yeah yeah um very shortly you'll hear my thoughts on the third episode of she hulk um Oh, one thing I wanted to mention about this show, by the way, before oh, we it. we kind of leave, we were, uh, <laughs> yeah, before we leave. Uh, so the show itself has an 84% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. These are a couple of episodes that have been released to critics and stuff. 84%, pretty good, pretty good number. Okay. Uh, but the audience score is at a 39%. If you look at something like IMDb, um, there's a lot of five-star ratings on the show, but to counter that, there are a ton of one-star ratings on the show. Mm-hmm. The show is getting review-bombed, for sure. Uh, and there's a lot of talk of why is it getting 
I mean, yeah, why? It's, I mean, just people why? being the fucking worst. Uh, mm. People saying like, well, there wouldn't be any like people of dark skin and what it's like. It's <laughs> it's make believe, right? <laughs> it's make believe. <laughs> like these elves live a thousand years, and then there's dwarves, and then there's a you know there's Sauron, but yo. A dark elf, that's too far. Get out of here, bro. <laughs> so there's that, there's You know, I it is I thought of this the other day. <clears throat> how I was really embedded in the internet and I don't want to say internet culture, but just the forums and stuff when the Twilight movies <laughs> were being made and coming out. And they said the same fucking thing when they cast I forget his name, but he was the vampire villain with with dreads. the dreads yep yeah that black actor like they cast him as a as a vampire and they were like you can't have a black actor playing a vampire because all vampires are basically bleach white from the canon of the books or whatever so you can't even if they were a person of color their skin would still be white after becoming a vampire and i was like I don't care. Like, I remember thinking, I do not care that Laurent, that character, is a, a, a black actor. Like, who cares? Who cares? I legitimately remember thinking, why are we talking about this? It, it's <laughs> and we're ridiculous. still here. We're still, <laughs> we're still here. here. Yeah. It, it is insane that we are still here. I mean, like, I think... On IMDb, they kind of turned off the comments and, like <gasps> for the ratings because people were saying some stupid ass shit. Oh my gosh! You know, and I mean, I'm sorry that you know there's inclusivity now. Like, I know there's a ton of content for all white people. If you just want to watch, if you if you hate women and you hate color. There's plenty of other shows. Right. Stick stick to that. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, you hate it. You obviously hate that they're making it something that can relate to more people. You think that everything should be catered to you. I Well, I think that people are also weary of seeing more inclusivity because it feels like an agenda. That's how people feel about it. That's how that people feel. An, that there's, that there's an, agenda. an agenda. But... At the end of the day, this is this is fantasy. I yeah. At the end of the day, like Like I can understand I, if you're telling me like, you know, like there's a famous person in history. No, I can't even say that. No. Because if you look, like Hamilton decided to, you know, change that by hey, let's tell the story of America then with the people of America now. Right, right, right. So so you can't even say that. Like, I get if people think there's an agenda, but the fact that there is so much animosity towards trying to get inclusivity into Mm -hmm, stories mm -hmm, mm -hmm. just kind of feels, it kind of feels. I would be, not offended, but I'd be like a little bit upset, I would feel, if they were like, okay, Galadriel's black. I can understand that. I'd be like, okay, but. Because but we've already on, seen, because we've already seen Cate Blanchett play Gladriel for right. 
Oscar winning movies <laughs> and right. you're, you're coming in with the same font. You have the same I, composer, but you can't have a similar looking actor play, you know, this character that we've seen before. Then I would think, okay, there's an agenda. Right. At that they're point, they're trying yes. something crazy. But no, like no, these are Elrond and Galadriel, the two characters that we've seen before, look relatively the same. Exactly. Uh, so I, I just don't I don't think we should dwell on this too much more. It's just it's really sad because they're review bombing a pretty good show so far. Yeah, so far it's a pretty good show. Yeah. And I'm just um, not based on the show itself. No, they're not. That's what's it's clearly yeah. not about the show, right? Um, but yeah, so um, I'm excited for the rest of it. I'll just be ready. Uh, every episode comes out on Fridays uh, through Amazon Prime. So if you want to keep up and want to uh, listen to our thoughts as we go along, that is where you would check it out on nice. Amazon Prime. Again, those episodes that we're going to be recording about it are going to be on Patreon.com/slash Always Critic Pod. If you want to f- let us know your thoughts on the Rings of Power, uh, you can always follow us on social media at Always Critic Pod. That's on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can find us on all four at Always Critic Pod. Subscribe to our show. Give us five stars on both uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. <laughs> That's where we need it. Five stars goes a long way for us. So, with that said, that has been our episode. I'm Rico. And I'm Jessica, and this has been the Always the Critic podcast.